This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is good once again to be talking with you about gospel truth. And we are specifically talking about gospel truth dealing with the covenant and the reason why this is where the drum roll normally would be, is because it's the topic of our conference, which is weeks away, September 22nd and 23rd. We're actually not allowed to do the drum roll thing. That really bothers our producer, and so we we do that in great hesitation. I'm sorry, Andrew. But the good news is our producer is going to be at the conference on Friday night, so you can get autographs at that point. You can meet him. Um, We'll probably just ask Pray for him. You you can tell him to allow drum rolls. Yep, yep. If you come and... um, We'll probably just maybe ask him to wear headphones all night long so people can see and say, oh, that must be (laughs) the producer of the Gospel for Life. He is very significantly ignoring us, which is fine. That is completely fine. Hurtful, but fine. It's normal. But... We are talking about covenant theology, and today we're going to talk about covenantal hermeneutics. Okay, that is quite a long and big name, one that is easily misspelled. What does it mean, hermeneutic? Well, Russ Herman, you probably know that this is, he's related to you, (laughs) right? Yes, it's my great uncle, twice removed. (laughs) It is a, it is, it is basically the science of interpreting scripture boils down to that you know how do we how do we understand scripture you know uh, the there's an approach to understanding it you know uh, the liter, uh, literal hermeneutic you might say or a covenantal hermeneutic what is what is the overriding understanding of how i approach scripture and vinnie there are, are only two kinds of people there are those who have a hermeneutic and those who don't know they have a hermeneutic, but everyone has a hermeneutic. Even the guy who says, well, I just it's just me and my Bible and Jesus, and that's all I need. Well, then that is your method of interpreting Scripture, is yeah. you become your own authority uh, and method. So the bottom line is all of us approach God's Word and have a framework, have a lens through which we read God's Word. Um, and the hope is that the lens that we have is the lens that Scripture gives us to use. Yeah. Right. Um, and we're not trying to make up one and, and impose that on the Scriptures. What we're trying to say is we think God has given us principles right. that we're to apply in how we read and understand His Word. In, in general, there's a, a literal, grammatical, historical um, understanding that we take to Scripture. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's a theological systematic continuity to scripture these are the lenses that we are looking at historically there are two main systems that have been applied hermeneutics that have been applied covenant theology and dispensationalism Um, there are some that will say that 
covenant theology developed, this hermeneutic developed in the 16th and 17th century. There are many reformers with very difficult names to pronounce (laughs) that began writing about this, talking about this, but they didn't create it. Maybe what they just did is gave it a label. Mm-hmm. So there's a book that we're going to have for sale at the conference called God to Us by Stephen Myers, and I think it's a great book. It's not shallow water. Um, you're going to be at least waist deep um, mm-hmm. if you're reading Stephen Myers. But there is a beautiful chapter early on for those that are interested to talk about the history of covenant theology, and he's going to lay out the case that this is not something new to the 16th and 17th century. It's just new with regard to the labeling of it. Mm -hmm. Dispensationalism, the other main system of interpretation, is actually fairly new. Began in the 19th century, um, Darby, and then eventually Schofield. It actually doesn't start with Darby, but he's the more well-known, probably the more official um, framework, and then eventually with Schofield. And this is, at least in today's world, a fairly dominant hermeneutic applied to the interpretation of God's word, which then begs the question, what is dispensationalism? Well, first of all, let's let's be reminded that covenant theology unifies scripture with this one uh, plan of redemption. You know, the, the Bible unfolds, you know, from Genesis 3.15 with the promise that, you know, where God is promising <clears throat> to be and do something for his people uh, through the sending of of one that's going to be born of the woman. And you you see that unfold. Well, dispensationalism divides uh, the Bible into seven redemptive testing periods. And essentially, in the end, it's maintaining two different peoples of God. Instead of, uh, you know, there is Israel and the church and, and, uh, you know, you know, like East and West, never the twain shall meet, and and yet they actually uh, do damage to the unity of uh, the theme of the Bible, and uh, so there's some, you know, the, I guess we could probably go into some of those different dispensations as well and talk about that. Yeah, if you like lists, charts, graphs, dispensationalism is for you. But they have uh, seven different dispensations, so I'll just work through them really quick. So the dispensation, uh, dispensation of innocence uh, is creation through Adam's fall. Uh, of conscience is Adam through Noah. Of government is Noah through Abraham. Patriarchal rule is Abraham through Moses. Mosaic law is Moses to Christ. And then the dispensation of grace is the current church age, so from Christ till today. And then what we're waiting for is that seventh dispensation of the millennial kingdom, uh, the 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth based upon the interpretation of Revelation 20, which, again, if you're into charts and graphs, can take you in all kinds of different places. And, and I think it's important to note, once again, what Jonathan said just a moment ago, that in each of these dis- dispensations, God has changing desires for his people, changing promises, changing Mm -hmm. interactions, how he reveals himself and interacts with his people, how he – different promises for each. And so what happens is that then there becomes this huge divide Mm -hmm. between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the Old Testament – God had a different people in the Old Testament. He had the nation of Israel. And now in the New Testament, he has the church. And he, the, the promises he gave to Israel are different than the promises he gave to the church. And the rules that he had for Israel are different than the rules that he has for his church. And so at the end of the day, the Old Testament kind of 
can be lopped off. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't really have any type of impact in our lives if 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 we are in this completely separate category dispensation then what came before really has no impact and what it does also in dividing it in this way is that it kind of gives the impression that god is changing his mind that he's deciding okay this isn't working so we're going to do this or this isn't working so we're going to do this and instead of giving that continuity beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation of a divine plan that is unfolding. Uh, we have all of these different plans and uh, whether or not they are successful or not. I think a couple implications of this is in dispensational theology, that division I think is responsible for one of the false dichotomies that because that big gap between Old Testament and New Testament is you get this, well, that's the angry God in the Old Testament and the New Testament we have the, the loving God revealed uh, that's in false error and a discontinuity and then covenant theology allows us this blessing of seeing god's people saved the same way all looking to christ those mm-hmm. in the old testament looked forward those in the new testament era looked at christ and then we have the benefit of looking back to christ but mm-hmm. all are saved the same way faith in the promise of god's grace revealed in the messiah mm-hmm. yep I was pausing because I thought Jonathan was was right there getting ready to jump in, <laughs> yeah. and I, I didn't want to stop him. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm he doesn't gonna, jump in. No, Jonathan <laughs> doesn't <laughs> jump in. Um, when we think about the contrast to dispensationalism, which is covenant theology, we've said it a couple times, but I think it, it bears just repeating. When we talk about covenant theology, the the core of covenant theology is continuity. Dispensationalism is about discontinuity. Mm -hmm. Covenant theology is this unification of the Word of God that the Bible is – God is always relating to his people with the same promises, with with the same framework, covenant, and with the same goal to be a God to his people and have his people dwell with him. So it's about that – God has one people, the church, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that he has one promise that salvation through his son began in Genesis 3.15 and and seen throughout, and that God has entered into a covenant first with Adam, covenant of works, Mm -hmm. which we're going to develop more fully tomorrow, but Adam fell. But the covenant of works remains, and so God then, because he no longer can engage with sinless humanity, because now there's fallen humanity, he sets in motion the covenant of grace, which is really just in time and space what was already determined back in eternity past, which was God's promise to save a people. Mm -hmm. And the Mm storyline of Scripture is just really that storyline of how God saves his people and ensures that they will be able to be his people for eternity. You know, there's some logical implications to the discontinuity that the dispensationalists bring to it. And not all dispensationalists are as hardcore mm-hmm. necessarily as others. Uh, so you're not going to get that. There's progressive dispensationalism that tries to move toward a covenantal position. But, you know, in in the end, you know, I mean, persons say, the, when I say there's logical implications, if you believe these things, then when you read the New Testament, even in the New Testament, there are things that you can't read for yourself. That's for another time in history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like there are some people that won't read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus, you know, 
what he's telling what his disciples would look like. You can't read that there. That's for another time in history. That's for the millennial age. You can't read the Old Testament. That was Israel's mail. I I often use that reference because that's what somebody said to me one time. Mm. A professor. You know, this is these. You know, that's that's for that age. That wasn't. That's not yours. But I think when I I came into it, I was challenged to use the Old Testament for something more than just finding the attributes of God. You know, mm-hmm. seeing different attributes of His omniscience or His power in that. I was challenged to see this unity of a thread of redemption that went all through God's Word. And some of the proof for that unity is from the mouth of Christ himself when he yeah. meets um, his uh, two, two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus after his mm-hmm. resurrection. You know, he, he, he explains and he unfolds the Old Testament and, he, and how it reveals him in his work. You know, when, when Paul talks to Timothy about how he is uh, knowledgeable of the scriptures, which are wise to make him, you know, to, to bring salvation. Well, what were the scriptures in in Paul's day, it was the Old Testament. So the Old Testament proclaims Christ, and it proclaims the gospel because it's all one book. And I think the the book of Hebrews is our best example of how that is done. Yeah, the book of Hebrews is just drenched with Old Testament imagery and and quotations, and it's because the author to Hebrews is saying uh, this is a book about Christ, and he's saying yeah. how do we know Christ? We know him from all of these images and, and quotations and revelations from the Old Testament, which is just really just always there pointing forward to the coming of Christ and his, his person and work. We'll talk about this more fully tomorrow. We'll see you then.